Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the Outer Hebrides. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon. This is the WinFL Show, and I'm joined by Dave Somerville. Dave, how are you doing? Oh, I'm all good today. Just uh, feeling a lot older for some strange reason today. But apart from that, yeah, raring to go. And that strange reason would, of course, be that uh, today, the 21st of December, is Dave's birthday. Happy birthday, Dave. Thank you so much. I can't believe I've been here 22 years on the planet. <laughs> 22, hi, okay. Well, we'll, we'll go with that. Uh, so, yes, a, a big happy birthday. Many happy returns to you, Dave. Really. Thank you, it's, thank, it's, you. It's thank you so much. So, I can't believe you've taken time out of your hectic schedule to do a podcast with me. So, uh, what we'll do is we'll try and get through as quickly as we can so that you can obviously get your birthday drinks on the go. So, we're going to jump yeah. right into it with our week 15 uh, review. And we start off with the Thursday night game, and it was the San Francisco 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks at Lumen Field and the San Francisco 49ers behind Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy come away with a 21-13 win. Purdy is now 2-0 to start his career. It's just the guy's doing well, but Dave, what did you make of this game? I mean, the scoreline flattered the Seahawks, I think. Um, the 49ers never looked in danger. Uh, and you, you said to me before, you were sold on Brock Purdy. I... Um, no. After seeing that game, he, he was just so competent. He made the right decisions. 17 and 26, 217 yards, two touchdowns. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't see any flaws in him. He fits into the 49ers system so well. Um, yeah, he, I mean, he was sacked once, but apart from that, the Seahawks could barely get their hands on him. And uh, Gino was uh, about average, I'd say, for Gino. And I, th- I think. Really, the only downside for the 49ers is that they didn't put up more points in the game, which, I mean, it's it's harsh to say that, but when those are the two teams that are fighting out for the division title, I I, th- I don't see any comparison, really. I think the 49ers just outplayed the Seahawks, I'm afraid, and Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, is very, very relevant. He's very relevant indeed, and it didn't help to have Christian McCaffrey on the team. He got over mm. 100 yards rushing and a touchdown, and he had also had six catches for another 30 yards as well. Definitely a quarterback's best friend. It's good to see him after all these, you know, the past two, three years of injury-ravaged seasons that McCaffrey's had. It's really good to see him again. And I know Cameron over at the Stramash podcast is going to be happy uh, that uh, oh. McCaffrey's at full strength. <laughs> <laughs> don't, and, well, uh, also, don't, don't forget George Kessel, though. George Kittle with that huge touchdown run, uh, touchdown pass, sorry. And, you know, in in total, he's four receptions for 93 yards and two touchdowns. So that huge pass that was just spot on by Brock Purdy as well, really impressive. So um, it pains me to say this, but like we've said before, the 49ers are probably the real deal. And that's probably the worst thing I can say about them. Yeah, I think they're definitely the real deal. So we'll move on now. Um, And it's this game. Dave, this game, Saturday, first Mm. game. What we're going to do is we're going to reintroduce a familiar face to bring us our Western Isles Game of the Week. It's the Western Isles Game of the Week. Oh, what a time to introduce a new segment and uh, our Game of the Week. Uh, There was plenty to choose from. I mean, for the first time in 103-year history of the NFL, there was three teams that overcame a 17-point deficit to win the same week, that being the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, and the team I'm going to talk about, the Minnesota Vikings. 
the Vikings beat two opponents this week. They beat the Colts and they beat the officials. <laughs> um, the, the, the Colts stormed ahead to a 33 to nothing first half. Uh, they had touchdowns from all facets of the game. They were firing on all cylinders. If anything, they were probably disappointed to only score 33 points. I mean, the offense had four first half field goals. They had another one in the second half. I mean, they scored from the 26, 28, 27 field, you know, yard field goals. I mean, those, those are points you're leaving on the field. Uh, at half time, Kirk Cousins had 43 passing yards. He'd been sacked three times and had thrown a pick six. The Vikings had failed on the fourth down twice, including a very strange fake punt. This left the Indianapolis Colts with a 98.3% chance of victory. Pretty pretty damning. If you're uh, from the Western Isles and you're watching this, you might have gone to bed because it, it seemed like one of those games where there wasn't much going to happen. Uh, even at the end of the third quarter, it's 36-14. to 14. You know, they'd shown a bit of life. They'd maybe made it a bit more respectable. Um, but teams were 85-1 and all-time when leading by 22 points after three quarters. Wow. And uh, yeah, this is uh, two weeks in a row for the Colts where they have absolutely plundered in the fourth quarter. I think 33 points against Dallas last week. So the last two fourth quarters, they have been outscored 55 to nothing. I mean, that is... I've I've never seen... (laughs) 55 to to nothing. nothing. I've, I've never seen an interim head coach be fired, but... Boy, that's got, you got to be close at that point. Um, that, that you know, game management, time management—I don't know what it is, but if you are getting hammered in the fourth quarter, two weeks in a row, there, there is something going on. Um, now I mentioned the officials there. The ref um, cost the Vikings two touchdowns, both by Chandon Sullivan. Uh, they blew up plays early. There was a clear fumble. They blew it up in case you know the the knee was down or if his elbow was down. It, it wasn't. Um, it was very obvious. And most officials in most sports now have adopted the let the play go out and then we'll review it. And if it, you know, if his knee was down, we can call it back. They they blew it up. Um, it was a very, very bad fall, uh, a bad call. And then they had the audacity to flag Sullivan for being quite justly irate, which was really the icing on the cake. When you make a bad decision and then flag the guy for telling you you're making a bad decision you you don't tend to look any better no um, and, so. and even just uh, as we as we were talking about last week the uh, the jerry judy was going off at the refs and actually bumped into one of the officials took his helmet off no flag thrown not so, a flag he got, got a little fine i'm not I sure that hurt jerry what, judy too much yeah for the is it 10 percent of his weekly wage so it was like yeah, twenty not sure. grand. I was like, yeah, okay, ten percent, all right. Um, but yeah, I mean, throwing the flag there. I mean, I thought. I mean, if anyone was justified to be irate at the refs, I think he was the man that particular time. I think the the NFL needs to be careful. Most players, if you go, I can hit a ref for ten percent of my wage. The refs are going to start getting hit at this rate. <laughs> I, you know, for ten percent of my wage. I could think of hitting a boss, you know, I could hit, think of uh, hitting an official, you know, <laughs> totally 10%, you know, well, especially, especially when you're earning that much money. Well, yeah, if 10% of your wage is 23,000, 23,000 and some change. And some people were saying, why is it like down to the dollar or the to $10? It's because it is a percentage. I think it's 10%. So if you're earning 230 grand a week and someone says, I'm going to find you 23,000 if you hit a ref, I'm like, I'm laying them out. You know? <laughs> I, I might like, hit him twice. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't remember if you saw the, it was a charity event, uh, and Mark Cuban, the, the billionaire, or well, he's mm-hmm. definitely a millionaire, mm-hmm. he had swore, and they, at the end of the game, said, oh, by the way, just to let you know, because you swore, um, we've got to find you like $10,000, and it goes to charity, he said, so if I swear again, do you have to find me again? They were like, yeah, and he's like, so he just swore again, he's like, well, let's go to charity, and oh, yeah, I'm suppose. very rich, <laughs> so if, if that's the biggest threat you can do to me is a small fine. It's worth it. I've, so, you know, yeah, I've never understood that when they when they find players, these to them it's a very small amount for certain things. You're like, that's that's not a deterrent to do this. No, you know, you say, oh, I better not do that in case they find me some pocket change. You probably, I mean, <laughs> Jerry Judy's probably got twenty three grand down the back of his couch. Let's not kid ourselves on here. That's just ridiculous. But anyway, yeah, back to this game, Jake. Sorry, I went off on a tangent there. And you're I mean, segment. something's never changed. Something's never changed. <laughs> I um, apologise. So back to the game, the Vikings, I mean, they were not short of playmakers. Uh, Dalvin Cook, 190 uh, combined yards, 95 rushing, 95 receiving. He had a, a receiving touchdown. Um, we all know about Justin Jefferson. He had 12 catches for 123 yards and touchdown. But it was a big game, a big breakout game for KJ Osborne. Uh, 10 catches, 157 yards and a touchdown, but he was kind of the catalyst for a lot of them. Uh, I mean, Justin Jefferson is not allowed to go off the field because he went off the field twice and Cousins threw two interceptions to the next two plays. <laughs> One of them, I don't know what Jalen Rago was doing. He just decided to stop doing his route. Um, so I'm sure that went down very well with um, Vikings fans and, and Kirk Cousins probably wasn't best, please. Uh, but after his 43 yards in the first half, he ended with 460. Uh, four touchdowns, those two interceptions I just mentioned. Uh, you think, what an amazing comeback. You know, the best in NFL history. The Vikings must have been perfect. I, I tell you what, they were not perfect. Even in the second half, they had an inception. They had a turnover on downs. So when you're not perfect and you make a comeback of that size, it's it's just even more impressive. It is. And, I mean, you, yeah. Usually, it's it's a, a case of everything goes right for you in that second <laughs> half. And no, when Cousins threw that interception, I thought it was over. I thought that's it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Totally done. There's no way they come. Which was there. heartbreaking because you know you think they've come this far, it's over. And then when they had the the, the fumble recovery scoop and score called back, you're like, that's going to just suck the wind out of them that, that is it um, but they just have no quit and again this is a game that if you look at it at face value you might go oh the Vikings defense got absolutely you know ran over in the first half they, they really didn't they the Vikings D played quite well for the majority of the game they stepped up they held the Colts to the five field goals often on short fields because of these turnovers I, I believe they were only responsible for one of the touchdowns Say there was a defensive touchdown, there was a punt blocked that was returned for a touchdown, mm-hmm. and then there was five field goals. I mean, the defense, considering they conceded 36 points, the defense was not the problem either. It was a very bizarre game. Um, I was quite happy to have football on a Saturday, and, and so I was really glad I tuned in because, I mean, if this is going to be the, the standard of the game of the week each week, we are, we are in for a good time. Yes, we may actually have been spoiled with that very first one. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the fact that you could have, you know, we had this kind of game and there was still a decision to be made, really, because, like I say, there was three big comebacks 
Yes. And I mean, that's, you know, there was some games that left you scratching your head with the, the Patriots. I mean, there were so many to choose from, but, the, you know, you can't not pick NFL history in the making. Absolutely. Uh, and there you go. That's it. Uh, thank you very much, Jake. That is our game of the week. So there you have it, Dave. My goodness. It was at US Bank Stadium. It was in front of 66,801 people who witnessed this history. An insane comeback. And as Jake already said, the Colts left so many points on the board. Some really short field goals. A 26-yard field goal. A 28-yard field goal. A 27-yard field goal. This means that they were literally on or around the 10-yard line when they were kicking these field goals. Uh, Dave, give us your quick views on this game. It was mental. This is just it. I, I, I don't even know what happened. I mean, if sometimes you get players that pop up and they just do things their own way. And Matt Ryan has that in the most negative way possible because his his teams just <laughs> cannot hold on to a lead Poor whatsoever. Uh, honestly, it was ridiculous. This was... The weirdest, wor- best, worst game ever because the Vikings in that first half were horrific. They just could not get it done. Justin Jefferson uh, and um, uh, KJ Osborne were the, the kind of were amazing in that yeah, game. I think yeah. uh, for the Vikings and Kirk Cousins. Uh, there's hot and cold. Then there's kind of lava and the the north and south pole because that's what Kirk Cousins really was. Thirty four fifty four, four hundred and sixty yards he threw for another four hundred yard game, four TDs and two bad picks as well. Uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, they were bad. Yeah, as I said earlier to Jake, that that mm. when he threw that second interception, I thought this this is over. But this, yeah. this game's over, and I don't know how. Don't know how the Vikings won that. And it was so weird because, okay, so statistically, this is the the greatest comeback of all time. Mm -hmm. But at no point did it feel like it. No, it didn't. No, you're right. It it just didn't feel like it. I mean, I remember, and and I know I've brought this game up many, many times, when the Buffalo Bills were down 35-3 to in the second half against the Houston Oilers in the wild card in 1992, I'm going to say. Um, and that you could feel the momentum shift in that game. Mm -hmm. It was palpable. The Oilers were unstoppable in the first half, hopeless in the second. And the Bills were the opposite. It was just polar opposites. And, but this game didn't have that same vibe. Although, you know, it is the greatest statistically the greatest comeback of all time it was a bizarre one so i think we'll move on then dave and we'll come to the next one which is of course the cleveland browns and the baltimore ravens at first energy stadium in front of sixty-seven thousand four hundred and thirty-one fans let's not forget that one and the cleveland browns came away with a 13 to 3 win and my goodness dave first of all justin tucker missing field goals <laughs> So I, I nearly passed two, two, two field, of yeah, them. he had one blocked, didn't he? he had one missed yes. one and had one blocked. Uh, yes. But oh my goodness, how much do these Ravens miss Lamar Jackson? Badly, and you considering that he, apart from Lamar Jackson, the only other kind of sort of big name that we can think of, or that I can think of anyway for the Ravens is Roquan Smith. Maybe you know, kind of on, on defense, on offense, I can't name you that many uh, players for the Ravens. And it shows that there's not many star players that they turn to in these situations. I don't think the backup, I don't think he's quite 
good enough. Uh, he's obviously very good on his feet, but I mean, both kickers were bad in this game. Uh, it, it was kick, bizarre. Yeah, it was because it, I think it was at the fourth quarter that Cade uh, York missed two. I th- I, if I remember rightly, it was two field goals that he missed. Do you know he uh, made, he he could have missed ten field goals, and I wouldn't have noticed yeah. because he, he just, Justin it just Tucker kept going wide. With, yeah, with, with Justin Tucker missing, I was just sitting there saying, "What happened?" I don't believe that. Yeah. Like I had to rewind it and watch it again. I was like, "Oh my word!" Yeah, and then the second one, the second one was blocked as well. One was blocked. It was crazy, crazy Mental. game. And I mean, I think I think uh, we called it that it was going to be a low-scoring game, but we weren't sure which way it was going to go. Mm. Uh, but but the Browns, I, I mean, they did the bare minimum against our poor, poor Ravens offense. The defense weren't that bad, and you know they managed to hold the Browns to just thirteen points in the end. But that that um, that I feel really bad for the Browns defense because the offense didn't turn up enough and yet still they managed to win the game because Miles Garrett just sack after sack I'm sure he got two or three sacks yeah. and yeah I, I, the Ravens were poor I, they I think they're nine and four now or uh, nine and five something along those lines I tell you what they don't look it nine and five I think they are yeah so I just checked nine and five uh, they they don't look it. I think they're going to they they're in serious serious danger of slipping out of the playoffs if Lamar Jackson doesn't come back in the next week. You're probably absolutely right. The, the drop off from Lamar Jackson to Tyler Huntley is just huge, and I think it shows for a lot of people who sort of doubted Lamar Jackson just how important he is to this team mm-hmm. because without him they can get nothing done. So then we move on to the next game when it was the AFC East matchup between the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins at Highmark Stadium in front of 70,794 fans. And it was cold at this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not using that as an excuse, but the Buffalo Bills came away with a 32-29 come from behind victory against the Miami Dolphins. Dave, what did you make of it? It was a fun game. It was a fun game, and yeah, I I, I I wouldn't like to be outside in that, let alone be playing football in it for over three hours. <laughs> no thanks. And you know, no, absolutely not. But um, both teams ran up over four hundred total yards uh, in the game, and they both were able to run the ball as well. You know, I mean, Josh, Josh Allen doing Josh Allen things as well. I I'm still not convinced on Tua. He, you know, it, it's. To, uh, he, he got one touchdown pass in this game. Oh, sorry, two. two? He, he did throw two. He threw he one got to two, Tyreek Hill. And um, one to Waddle. Yeah. Yeah, because Waddle had the Waddle out. That, that's how I knew there was another one as well. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm still not convinced on Tua. There were, he, he had little bright sparks. Uh, sparks. I was going to say sparks and parts, but we'll go for a bright sparks. <laughs> <in that game. laughs> okay. But, um, have yeah, you already a, been on the birthday juice? I think. Uh, uh, no comment, officer. But um, <laughs> what I did notice, though, uh, watching this game back, was that there was a lot more penalties in that game than I I saw when I was actually watching it. I think there was to- a total fifteen penalties for over hundred yards between the two teams. So it was turning into a bit of a dirty game. A lot of frustrations on both sides. I think the Dolphins' defense is underperforming, considering some of the players that they have now on defense. Mm. So, um. Yeah, I, I was quite shocked that there was only one turnover in the game as well. Was that? But um, yeah, uh, it, it, again, um, a weird game. But the Bills, the Bills had to come from the behind. Dawson, Dawson Knox's um, touchdown. I was really, I really impressed with that one. I, um, player of the game for me was probably Josh Allen. 
I think he, he just he just had enough and he he had the leadership skills to see his team over the line. So Bills pretty much secure the top spot in the division. Yeah. And uh, in the conference, they're sort of neck and neck with the Chiefs. Um, the Bengals are one game behind, but I think we, we, we both know the Bills and the Chiefs are going to be one and two in that one. Uh, it, it's likely at the end of the season mm-hmm. that'll be where they are so we then come to an NFC South matchup between the New Orleans Saints and the Atlanta Falcons this was a close one at the Caesar Superdome in front of 70,041 people uh, who watched the New Orleans Saints squeak out a 21-18 to victory they actually looked much more in control of this game um, early on at the end of the third quarter anyway, leading to 21-10 to 10, but they weren't able to generate anything in that fourth quarter these Saints and it's hard it's difficult to, to watch the Saints uh, because I don't know Andy Dalton is any good and I, I feel mm. bad saying that because for years he was um, yes I, I, but it's like he shouldn't be too old. Do you know what I mean? This drop-off that we've seen from Andy Dalton seems all oh, it's it's massive. Um on the other side of the ball, Desmond Reddit. Um what can I say? 97 yards passing. Or 97 yards passing. Only thir- passing. 13 completions as well. Just, just like the, the only good thing is that he didn't have one picked off. Um he was sacked four times though and you know he's he's a rookie quarterback being thrown in a deep end into a poor Falcons team. Um but yeah you, you can't have you can't have numbers like he did. It, it was really, really poor. Uh the Saints, the only reason Andy um sorry, the Saints had any passing yards whatsoever really was because of the two completions by uh, Taysom Hill. Who ended up getting yes. eighty yards, eighty <laughs> yards and a touchdown. Um Andy Dalton's yeah, he did get two touchdowns as well. Both teams were able to run the ball pretty well. Um, uh, Algier and uh, Cordell Patterson managed to get a touchdown each for the Falcons. And uh, Algier's 17 carries for 139 yards. Ritter was able to pick up some yards on his feet. Uh, just He just couldn't do it through the air, I'm afraid. He was targeting Drake London, kind of like a magnet to the North and South Poles. So, yeah, it was... Um, it was an interesting game. I don't. It was definitely wasn't the highest quality game I've ever seen. But um, yeah, I, I I like that the Saints won against the Falcons here, and I do think that the Saints are probably the, one of the underperforming teams this year that should do better. So I'm rooting for the Saints to get the Bucks to nip nip in ahead of the Bucks. I don't think it's going to happen, but you never know. Uh, yeah, well, I know. We'll talk about the Bucks in a wee bit, but uh, uh, we're staying on the NFC South. The Carolina Panthers went up against the Pittsburgh Steelers and found another way to lose. <laughs> 24-16 to the Steelers. And this Panthers team, I'm just... I don't know. I, I, I don't know what unsure. to make. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what to make of this team. Uh, and I doubt if any of the 73,548 fans at Bank of America Stadium can see the same because they just, they, they should have won this game and they just could yeah. not convert anything. It was absolutely diabolical at times. Uh, I mean, four of 11 and third down compared to Pittsburgh's 12 of 16. That's a mm-hmm. huge difference. And Pittsburgh had the ball for over 36 minutes. Dave, what did you make of this? I mean, uh, I, that that was one of my key notes uh, from the game was the third down efficiency because the Panthers just couldn't do anything really on third down. And Sam Darnold was sacked, I think it was four times in the match that I noted. Um, that it, I think 
the scoreline almost flatters a very poor Panthers performance because I'm, I'm going to hate saying this, but this was one of the best games Mitch Trubisky has had in years. And MVP. he was just... MVP. No, I mean, um, there's also they also think that um, Kenny Pickett's going to be back for next week. And I don't think that's the right decision, you know. I think Trubisky should carry on. If he doesn't have a good game next week, fair enough, uh, bin him and bring in Kenny Pickett. But I, I, I think Trubisky really showed up against the Panthers. I know it's a poor Panthers side, but they did what he, he got the job done and did it fairly competently. The Panthers, for whatever reason, just didn't want to run the ball at all. Or when they did run the ball, they got nothing. Chuba Hubbard, four carries for 10 yards. Don, Dante Foreman, who, who's had big, big games this yes. year, 10 carries for nine yards. Oh. That's just, that's unheard of. The Steelers shut down the Panthers' run game so competently. Najee Harris was doing Najee Harris things. 24 carries for 86 yards. One touchdown, but he averaged about just over three and a half, I think it is. Um, That's standard for Najee Harris. It, it is, but I, one of the players of the game, though, TJ Watt, he recorded two sacks. Um, and, yeah, I mean, he basically got half of the sacks for the Steelers, but they could not deal with TJ Watt on defense, and he was able to competently get through to Darnold, and many hurries as well. Darnold was under pressure every time step back so uh, I, yeah I'm, I'm really in the same same kind of boat as you I don't know what to make of this Panthers team because you don't know which Panthers team is going to show up the Steelers just keep doing their own little thing yeah. I'm quite surprised they're 6-8 and eight, though but um, yeah I, I think um, the Steelers came up against a really poor Panthers side but we we kind of got a soft spot for the Steelers for very different reasons you like Mitch I, I, I love Mike Tomlin so, I, I like yeah, my talent too. Quite, it's just that, you well, know, oh, you keep disrespecting Mitch, which I don't like. He's so overhyped, it's ridiculous. <sighs> but uh, I, you know what? I can't wait to, bring, to see Kenny Pickett back next week now. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> right, and we then come to the Chicago Bears and the Philadelphia Eagles at Soldier Field front of 48,423 fans. And this was a lot closer than many people thought it was mm. going to be. And it finished 25 to 20 to the Eagles in this one. They did trail at one point in the early, briefly in the second quarter, but that was it. They then took the lead and never relinquished it again. But Justin Fields got another 95 yards rushing in this game. And he just, I mean, so on the season, for Justin Fields, his his rushing total on the season, which is just, it's absolutely incredible. So on the season, he has now cracked 1,000 yards rushing, uh, making him only, I think, the third quarterback in the history of the NFL to do that behind uh, Michael Vick and Lamar Jackson. 1,000 yards, and he's still got two games to go. So it's, it's just unbelievable what he's been running the ball, but that's not getting the wins um, for the Bears and just doesn't seem to be good enough. Jalen Hurts, on the other hand, he is passing like an absolute monster. He had another well, it's a great three hundred yard uh, mm-hmm. game in this one, and he may only have seven hundred and forty seven yards rushing, but he has thirteen touchdowns with another three today. Uh, well, uh, three at the weekend, I should say. So, Dave, what did you make of this game? 
it's a weird game to be honest and yeah. also um Jalen Hurts could be out for the next week because of a shoulder strain sustained in this game from uh, from being sacked so yeah um Justin Fields is still I, I don't know if he's a hundred percent because he was injured for a couple of weeks uh, recently if I'm, yeah he was he was been out anyway uh, Justin Fields so um I mean, he was able to get it done on his feet. Uh, he managed to throw two touchdowns in the end. He, re- he registered 152 yards, although I I, I think that was kind of cut back. But um, yeah, they I think the scoreline flattered the Bears. They were hanging on to the Eagles' coattails for most of the game. Uh, Eagles were in second gear for most of the game, except from Jalen Hurts and obviously AJ Brown as well. Nine receptions, 181 yards. He didn't get his touchdown. Jalen Hurts got three touchdowns. Yeah. But the Bears defense kept them in it as well. Two picks. He picked they picked off Jalen Hurts twice in the game. So that was that was impressive. Um from a defense that hasn't really performed uh, that well this year. Uh there was it, there was like uh, two fumbles in the game as well. But because of the way Justin Fields plays even though if he's going to run or not, it's still registered as a sack, and the Bears registered six sacks, uh, or sorry, the Eagles registered six sacks of Justin Fields in the game. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I, I mean, the only thing I can really add to it, though, is that when Justin Fields did throw and it was completed, it was usually for fairly decent yards. Um, so it was 14 to 20, 150 yards. It's like an, a first down every every time he threw the ball, so... Uh, they, it's it's almost like the Bears have formulated their own kind of uh, play action in the form that you don't know if he's going to run or if he's going to pass. So they've got to be away. They 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 just they're pretty confident that if uh, Montgomery is going to if the ball goes to Montgomery, it's going to be a run. But Justin Fields drops back to pass. They have to take another factor into consideration with Fields uh, being so good on his feet. So uh, that, that that's a good thing for the Bears. But Eagles are thirteen and one, and not one of us in the league thought this would ever happen at this stage. We you know, coming uh, week fifteen, the Eagles are have just registered one game uh, as a loss. So Eagles are going to be NFC number one guaranteed. Yeah, uh, 13-1, and uh, previously hot on their heels was the Dallas Cowboys. So they travelled all the way to Jacksonville to Tia Bank Stadium. <laughs> Still don't know how to say that. To take on the Jacksonville Jaguars in front of 69,050 fans. And, well, I don't know the best way to, to sort of describe this game, Dave. Because the Cowboys... Took the lead with 431 in the first quarter and led at one point 27 to 10 in the middle of the third. They had a 17 point lead in the middle of the third quarter, but they just could not put the Jaguars away and they kept clawing and clawing and clawing back. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't you know it, in overtime, Dak Prescott throws a pass that was bobbled by the receiver and picked off by Rayshon Jenkins to return at 52 yards for the a walk-off touchdown in overtime, 40-34. to 34. I didn't see this one coming. Did you see this one coming? It's not even close. I, I, I thought, you know, the Jaguars would do something, uh, maybe trouble the Cowboys, but I thought the Cowboys would come away with it. But I tell you what, they really performed re- uh, well. Trevor Lawrence, four touchdowns on the day. He did have that one pick, but four touchdowns. That, that that's big big for any quarterback. Uh, he also took off three times and gained t- 
21 yards for as well. Travis Etienne, uh, 19 carries, 103 yards. And uh, don't forget about Zay Jones as well, because he picked up uh, 109 yards with six receptions. Christian Kirk, six receptions were 92 yards as well. But going to the end zone, Zay Jones was the main man at three touchdowns being picked up as well. So um, the Cowboys... Press D- Dak had one during reg- uh, one interception during the kind of uh, reg- regular game. Apart from that, he didn't do a lot wrong. If he did anything wrong at all, he was twenty three or thirty for two hundred fifty six yards, three touchdowns, that two interceptions, including the walk off touchdown. CD Lamb turned up though, seven receptions, one hundred twenty six yards. The defense was decent, but yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think, know how do they won it. I think it was because. When it mattered, they weren't able to get the Jaguars off the field. And Trevor Lawrence was making some passes that you're going, there is the Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. That we were looking at in college, Mm -hmm. coming into the draft last, sorry, coming into the NFL last year. That is what you're looking for. Because What do you you think the change has been? Do you think it's a coach? It's 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 100%. 100% in the coaching. Let's, Let's not forget that some people were calling uh, Terrell Lawrence a bust, right? After, yeah, you know, after his true. rookie mm. year. And you're like, right, behave yourselves with that. Because that was arguably the worst situation any rookie quarterback could go into with Urban Meyer. And it was just, it was disgraceful from top to bottom. Yeah. Um, and now all of a sudden, Terrell Lawrence looks reborn this year compared to last year. It's, it's night and day. It's absolutely night and day. He looked awful last year this year he looks so much better it's it's got to be down to coach and now you could argue a little bit more maturity from lawrence that's true um mm-hmm. but he's just looked so much better so much more confident in himself to make the throws and these throws are sticking and we all laughed at the christian Kirk contract we did yeah we did we did we did mocked him mercilessly <laughs> But the guy's playing, and he's playing well. Maybe not that contract well, but he's playing very well indeed. Yeah. So, so kudos to Christian Kirk. And if you're listening, Christian, I'm I'm happy for you, and I'm sure Davis as well. Of course, what else would he be doing? Well, yes. yeah, pretty yeah. much. So we then come to uh, the New York Jets at the Detroit Lions at MetLife Stadium in front of 75,076 fans. And this Lions team will just not be denied, Dave. They mm-hmm. give away the 20-17 to 17 victory on a day where their offense, I'm not going to say sputtered, they still moved the ball fairly efficiently. Uh, but they didn't. They haven't been as potent as they have been. Uh, but the defense came up with plays when it needed to, and they managed to stop the Zach Wilson-led Jets uh, winning that one twenty to seventeen. Dave, what did you think? I mean, where where's this Jag off been for, for for years, basically now? Um, I, they were one and six uh, after seven games with yeah. the Lions, and now they're seven and seven. Now, I, I think, was it last week or the week before I said the Lions are making the playoffs? Uh, I am you did? Hundred, yes. uh, 100% convinced now the Lions are making the playoffs. I, 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 ju- I believe it. Jared Goff, he, had a, he did have a few missed uh, opportunities, but he, he hasn't thrown a pick in weeks. Uh, he's 23-38, 252 yards and a touchdown in this game. 
they they ran okay. Um, they twenty one carries from Swift and uh, Williams as well, and uh, that was for eighty five yards. Uh, I mean, I'm a Ross St. Brown just doing his thing, seven receptions, seventy six yards. But it, it Goff is throwing it about a lot more, so he's varying his targets. Zach Wilson, on the other hand, he threw a few big throws. Uh, he was eight, eighteen completions of. 35 yards so that's just over 50 percent which is not really good enough and you know it's it's got to the point where you're you're kind of thinking you're a bit sus for a second pick in the draft and uh you were you know he's he's made some kind of dodgy character calls this year when he refused to say that he let down the the defense Mm. um he was kind of ostracized a wee bit from the from from the Jets team until injuries to Mike White and Joe Flacco happened. Then all of a sudden he's back in and he's all, oh, I'm back to being franchise quarterback. Nah, I don't buy it. I'm not on the Zach Wilson train whatsoever and can't wait for Mike White to be back. But the only star... Yeah, <laughs> Mike White. The, the, main, the main star for the Jets, so I think Garrett Wilson is their, is their find of the season, to be honest. Uh, I, there's obviously a lot of people are big on... Um, Oh god, I've forgotten to say. Oh, Sauce. Gardner. That's right. Uh, sauce yes, yeah, so Sauce Gardner. That's right. Yeah, a lot of people are big on him. I think he is. I, I I'm right in your boat when I say when you say that he's just he's a bit of a dirty cornerback. I I don't like the way he plays. I I watched the Jets Lions game intently, and I was watching him. He was uh, almost every play that was man to man. He he was all over them and should have been called numerous times for pass interference. He wasn't. Um, Garrett Wilson is the real deal. He's he's going to be a star wide receiver uh, in the next couple of years, I think. It depends who's going to be at, at Jets quarterback, though. Zach, Zach Wilson, I can't see being there much longer. And Mike White, I, uh, he's got good and bad I, I think, games Yeah, in him, I think so. he, just needs, he just needs a little bit more consistency. They, they need their running back. They, they need their main running back. Uh, yeah, well, they'll, the they'll have him yeah. back next year. Bre- uh, Brees mm-hmm. Hall, was it? Yeah, uh, Brees yes. Hall. That's they'll right. have him back next year. And having him with Mike White, I think it'll I think it'll work. I don't think the Jets need to go, oh, no, we need to start over a quarterback again. True, I think true. they've got yeah. the guy in the building, in Mike White. So we then move on to the Houston Texans and the Kansas City Chiefs at NRG Stadium in front of 70,541 fans. And this game was a heck of a lot closer mm-hmm. oh, than yeah. anyone thought it was going to be. Um, it, fin- it went to overtime this one, tied at 24 before um, Jarek McKinnon finished it off. Great name that, McKinnon. Lovely. Uh, finished it off with a 26-yard rush, walk-off, touchdown. Oh, honestly, Dave, do you know what? I think at the end of this year, I might have to make a list of all the walk-off touchdowns we've had this year. It's been relentless. Because uh, uh-huh. usually in overtime game, it's always, you know, field goal. Field goal. Field, it's been walk-off touchdowns for seemingly every other game. Uh, and the Chiefs come away with a 30-24 to win. Patrick Mahomes slinging the ball around again. Another 300-yard performance from him. Just... Uh, doing what he does, but hey, the Texans stuck with them. Dave, talk us through it. I don't even know how the Texans stuck through uh, with, with the Chiefs. But, um, they were consistent. They scored in every single quarter, did the Texans, whereas Chiefs were hot and cold at the start of both halves. Um, 
it, it was it was a weird one. I'm still trying to figure out how the Texans got so close to I, beating the Chiefs. I, I think it's got to got to be the two fumbles. I mean, Pacheco's fumble and Smith Schuster fumbled as well. I believe he's Smith Schuster. I can't remember who who, the, who got the. Yeah, I, I remember Pacheco. Pacheco's was, one kind of just popped out. Yeah, that's right. Smith Schuster's was a weird fumble because I thought. It looked like the ground had caused it. He's already been picked up and slammed down and it popped out. But in that second, I think, angle or replay, it does show that as he's hit, the ball sliding out. I didn't see that at all until they showed Mm -hmm. the replay afterwards. But I think those two turnovers have to be the reason because the the Texans had no business being in this game. None. Correct. They had 18 first downs in the entire game compared to the Chiefs with 33. Still double what the Broncos normally get, but my goodness, <laughs> yeah, no, it is, it is just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the def- the defense really uh, kept them in it. Um, Davis Mills, he, he, I mean, for twelve of twenty four, only fifty percent completion rate, but he did get two touchdowns. He did only register one hundred twenty one yards. Um, I think, if I remember rightly, did didn't he come out for a few plays? Yes, yes, Je- Jeff Driscoll came in. Um, but he, well, I mean, he wasn't able to do much. Um, Davis Mills, I, I don't expect him to be there after this season or to be the, the starter quarterback anyway. I expect the Texans to pick one one of the two kind of top-rated quarterbacks in either Young or CJ Stroud. So, yeah, I, I mean, there's, there wasn't any kind of standout uh, for the Texans. Maybe, maybe their linebacker, uh, Christian Kirksey, he, I think it was nine tackles and a sack he registered. Not so. to be confused with Christian Kirk. Yeah, well, this is Kirk C. Kirk C. C. Um, C. Yes, C. Um, <laughs> I just we, we we need to stop. We do. Um, we do. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they, they did get to Pat Mahomes as well. Uh, two sacks in the entire game for yep. him. Pacheco showing he's a, he's a he's a good running back. Uh, Fifteen carries for eighty six yards. Yep. McKinnon ten for fifty two. Uh, you know, both averaging over five yards per carry. So, uh, and you know, Kelsey another hundred yard game. Uh, no touchdown in this one for him. But uh, yeah, Smith Schuster did well as well. Ten uh, receptions for eighty-eight yards, and Mahomes was just flawless when the ball left his hand. Thirty-six of forty-one for three hundred thirty-six yards. That- it's it's just <laughs> numbers like that. Five years ago, would have been uh, best best in the league for the whole season. Mahomes seems to do it every game, every single it's one. Just- yeah. Unreal. It's not fair. It's it's not fair. Uh, speaking of not fair, um, uh, over 75,179 fans sat in Empowered Field at Mile High and had to watch this game between the 3-10 and 10 Denver Broncos and the 4-9 and 9 Arizona Cardinals. And Dave, this was a weird one. This was a weird one for a number of reasons. <laughs> Matt Prater, not least Not least the score, the, the score and I'm, the I'm final gonna, I'm going to get to the score in a second. Yeah. Matt Prater... Was banging in 50-yard field goals at Mile High Stadium. J.J. Watt is terrorizing quarterbacks. Uh-huh. DeAndre Hopkins is making these insane acrobatic catches. And I'm like, I don't know what year this is. <laughs> I have no idea what year this is. Um, but the Broncos come away with a 24-15 victory. And for most uh, of the game, this looked like it was just going to be a repeat of everything else we've seen. Arizona had a 9-3 lead with six minutes to go in the third quarter. And I thought, this is just this offense with the Broncos. But you know what? It came alive behind Brett Rippon and the running of Marlon Mack and Latavius Murray. And uh, Marlon Mack, 
it has looked really good over the past couple of weeks and Latavius Murray seems to have a new lease of life. I, for one, am happy for Brett Rippon that he's getting a chance to actually do something. I think he's an excellent uh-huh. quarterback. Um, but Dave, did you watch this game? If you did, I'm sorry you had to sit through it. Um, <laughs> if, if not, if you just caught the highlights of this one, what did you make of it? I watched the game in 40 on Game Pass. So I, I, I was only I was limited to the uh, full experience. and But from what I saw, I was quite happy that I was quite limited to it. But the Broncos put up 24 points. That, that's, that's just unheard of this mm, season. Yes. And both these teams are now 4-10, and 10, which is ridiculous considering the talent they have. And they yes. just underperformed week in, week out. Obviously, there's no Kyler. The, um, it was Colt McCoy that was there. Um, and I think also Trace McSorley uh, came in as well. Yeah, Colt McCoy yeah, got injured and uh, Trace McSorley had to come in. Uh, yeah, but between between the two of them, they got no touchdowns and three interceptions. Um, so I, I think the Cardinals are a, a pass-first team. So there was 36, uh, They were t- between the two quarterbacks, they were 20 of 36. The problem is the yardage because they only registered 173 yards for those 20 completions and it just wasn't good enough. And the defense, they picked them off a couple of times. Um, there was also, uh, I think the Broncos fumbled it as well. Um, they did, they did. Yes. Brett Rippon, uh, Brett Rippon had Brett a Rippen fumble. Put- it was on a, a, a strip, strip sack. Uh, uh-huh. essentially. Did, yeah. Um, um, he was, Rippon was sacked six times in the first half. The, the offensive line for Denver has been decimated. There's nobody left uh-huh. to, to protect the quarterback. But there were some time, there were times where Brett Rippon, it was a three-step drop, and it was like one, two, three, and then he got hit as his back foot's making his third. Mm. And you're just thinking, nobody can throw it, or maybe Mahomes can, I don't know. But nobody <laughs> can, uh, can operate in that kind of system. But as I said, Latavius Murray... Wow! Oh, yeah, kind of, he's he's back. I think that's one of the best games he's ever played. He's thirty. He's what 31, 32 maybe. Yeah, but he's he's in his thirties anyway. I know that. Yeah, I yeah I I I think that's probably one of his best games in his career because that that was what he was able to do. You know, he was able to find the gaps and he was able to get the yardage. Twenty four carries, one hundred and thirty yards, and um, he also had one one reception for uh, twelve yards. But I tell you what, Jerry Judy played his part. Seven receptions, seventy-six yards, and he was pumped up as well. I was watching him, and he 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 looked he looked good. He looked good against the Cardinals' uh, defense. I was worried that it was going to be the Cardinals' defense that were going to make sure that they squeak over a kind of twelve to nine victory or something like that yes. over over the Broncos. But he did well against them, and like you said, Marlon Mack has looked really good uh, since, since he since he signed. Do, okay, one last question though. Yes. Philip Lindsay or Mac, who would you rather this season right now, seeing what Mac has been able to achieve? Oh, I, I think Mac's done a, a, an excellent job. I'd still have mm. Philip Lindsay. Yeah. I would still take Philip. If Philip Lindsay was available, I don't know if he is, he might be. And if he is, then sign him. Yeah, he'd because... be kicking about a practice squad. He's, uh, Philip Lindsay is, is a, a, a great player and by all accounts, an excellent teammate. Um, and once has never fumbled. <laughs> I don't know how many times I have to stress this. But yeah, running but back. Also, also a shout out as well to uh, Deshaun Williams as well, uh, your defense tackle who oh, got yes. two and a half sacks in the game. 
Fantastic player. Fantastic. Uh-huh. Uh, so we then move on to the next game, Dave, and it was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers welcoming the Cincinnati Bengals to Raymond James Stadium in front of 69,305 people who watched the Buccaneers jump out to a 17 to nothing lead. And mm-hmm. that was basically it because the yep. Bengals rattled off 34 unanswered points uh, before the Buccaneers got a garbage time touchdown from Russell Gage. Tom Brady and uh, Dave this was great fun I loved watching this game absolutely it was, amazing yeah, it was, any it, game it, it, any game where Tom Brady loses I love it I think it's amazing so <laughs> there's my impartiality coming out again yes uh, of course very unbiased on this podcast we are totally so uh, Dave what did you make of it um I I think Tom Brady he, he, he was decent for most of the game, but later on, he made some very questionable decisions. And, you know, we had been saying earlier, uh, a few weeks ago, that he had made 399 uh, throws without throwing an interception. Yeah, He, he threw two in this game. And, yeah, I, I, I'm struggling to... He's, he's made seven this season now. now that, that's, it's becoming a bit of an issue. I don't know what's changed, aside from maybe his age. But we we talk about his age all the time. I, I'm I'm going to focus on the Bengals because Joe Burrow was amazing. He did get picked off once, but he he made a lot of short throws. But he did they they were good, competent, the right decision kind of throws. He also made four. He also got four touchdowns. I, I don't think I mentioned that. Um, they they couldn't run the ball. The Bengals. That that that's one thing I took away from it. But um. They they were throwing a lot. Joe Burrow and he was finding his guys. Obviously, his his main man Jamar Chase. His seven receptions. Uh, don't forget about Tyler Boyd. He I, he got he got to uh, T Higgins a few times as well, but maybe uh, that that was more kind of short slants or short or quick outs kind of thing. I mean, the, their defense. Yeah, the defense had a lot of work to do. Uh, did the Bengals? But oh, it felt like that anyway. During watching the game, I I, I thought they were. The, the Bengals' defense, like we said before, are one of the underrated ones, and they're quietly just moving through the gears. Um, and I want I want to talk about Logan Wilson because he was arguably my player of the game for this. He registered nine tackles and a sack of Brady, which we always love to see. That's uh, always and, good. Yes, it is. And and do you know what? He he throws the ball away in the direction of where he knows no one's going to pick it off and. It's it's just gonna go straight into the dirt. But Wilson got there and I think he was the standout player for the Bengals. So big shout out to him. Bengals I mean the the second half, they, they put up thirty one points against the Buccaneers. It, it, it's <laughs> I, I don't know what else you wanna say. The Bucks just didn't come out for the second half whatsoever and they paid the price. They certainly did. And we then move on to the next uh, game, which was the Los Angeles Chargers and the Tennessee Titans at SoFi Stadium in front of 70,240 fans. Uh, a low-scoring affair. Chargers come away with a 17-14 uh, victory. But, of course, this featured uh, two of the three best-named kickers in the game with Randy <laughs> Bullock and Cameron Dicker. Um, it's just it's just a shame we can't get young Hoku into that as well. Just, that would be yeah. a perfect game. Um, but yes, 17-14 to the Chargers. Justin Herbert threw for a lot of yards. No touchdowns. And he uh-huh. did throw two picks. But somehow he still looked really good when he was doing it. So, um, Dave, what did you make of this one? It, was, it, it wasn't the best game for the Titans. Um, Ryan Tannehill 
Is he still carrying an injury? He doesn't look right to me. I mean, you 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 can make that argument, but I don't think Tannehill has looked great this season, let, let alone the last couple of weeks. I, I think he's he's I think he's quite overhyped. I'm not convinced on Ryan Tannehill, and his contract is huge. So, like you know, for 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 what you get from him, and we know the Titans are a run first offense and we see it week in week out Derek Henry he put up another 100 yards by the way but Ryan Tannehill 15 of 22 for 165 yards and uh, no touchdowns one pick as well but I think there's a chance that Tannehill doesn't play next week and it could be Malik Willis coming in again so yeah I I, I think something's not right with Tannehill but I, I, I don't know how much whatever injury he could be carrying is affecting him because I, I just don't think he's performed this season. I, I I think I've said it once or once or twice this season already, but he's just not he's not finding his like his main receivers. Uh, Robbie Trees, Robert Woods, only two two receptions for twelve yards, barely targeted. When and Tannehill just wasn't throwing whatsoever. I, the, I I did notice though that there was a couple plays that looked like they were going to throw, but then he you know that you can hear the shouts of can can where he's changing the play. And then they end up running it. So I, I'm not sure was it uh, the Chargers' defensive coverage that kind of made him look very ordinary. But I think I do think something's not right with Tannehill. But like, like we said though, Justin Herbert, he didn't get a touchdown. He got two picks. Apart from that, he looked pretty stellar. Uh, you know, it's 28 42 for 313 yards. He was fighting his main man, Keenan Allen, time and time again. Uh, and also Mike Williams as well. He got four receptions for 67 yards. Those two coming back is huge because they've been injured for most of the season, um, I'm pretty sure. And yeah, I, I mean, there's not a lot to say apart from on defense, Drew Tranquil, but another great name to add to this game with Cameron Dicker, the kicker. Um, seven tackles, <laughs> one sack as well. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, was a, it, was, it was a strong defensive game from both sides. But I I do think the Chargers just had that little bit extra more. Derrick Henry was kind of one-man band. Between um, throwing and running, or between catching and running, he registered 163 yards. So that's not bad in itself. Apart from that, the Titans looked pretty bleak on offense. Yeah, I think it's much to ponder for Mike Vrabel with that Titans offense for what they're going to be doing going forward. Uh, we then come to the Washington Commanders, the New York football giants at FedEx Field. Um, oh, it doesn't have an attendance. I have no idea how many people are at this game. Maybe nobody. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for the, for what actually happened in it, I, I feel bad for anybody that did go to the game. Yeah, I wasn't so impressed. This, this game uh, finished 20-12 to to the Giants, but it was 20-12... to um, with 1.55 to go in the game, the, when the Giants kicked a field, Graham Gano, uh, mm-hmm. there, uh, kicked a field goal to give them a 20-12 victory. Now, then, the, one of the weirdest things I've seen in a long time happened. Um, so he kicks this with, literally, as the two-minute warning is, is going. So it's 1.55 when Graham Gano kicks off to the Redskins. And they are able to move the to, ball to, to the commanders. The commanders. Oh, so, sorry, sorry. No. The commanders. Never get used to that. <laughs> to apologize. Um, and then Taylor Heineke is able to move the ball. He is throwing passes out to Curtis Samuel, mm-hmm. Johan Dodson, a couple to him, uh, Logan Thomas. Um, and then something weird happens because the third and one 
a third and goal on the Giants' yeah. one-yard line with one minute to go in the game. Um, an illegal shift is called. Five yards backs him up to third and goal from the six. But when you watch the replay of that, Terry McLaurin uh, is standing, and I, I forget if it was Dotson yes. next to him, um, and he looks at the ref, and, and, mm-hmm. and the ref sort of motions McLaurin to move forward or move over, and he does, and he looks at the ref again, just, you know, am I in the right place? Yeah, and keeps the thumb up. Basically, gives the thumb up, and then as the count's being done, the ref puts his hand to his flag and literally just waits for the ball to be snapped and then throws a flag for an illegal shift. And I'm sitting there going, how is that an illegal shift? <laughs> because if you've checked with the ref and you're set and you're ready to go, and then if you're being told to move by a referee because you're not on the line of scrimmage, or whatever it was, I think he wasn't on the line of scrimmage, and the ref tells him to yeah. move over, or he was, and he there's too many, tells him to move back, whatever one it was. For the ref to then throw the flag is just weird. And you can see, if you if you see the, the clip of it, Terry McLaurin just kind of looks at the ref and goes, what are you doing? Why, mm-hmm. if, why are you telling me to move if you're then just going to throw a flag when I've moved? And it, it was a weird one, Dave. It was a, what did you think of it? It was... It was bizarre. It was just utterly bizarre. I I saw it and I thought that some because uh, I, I you could see them sort of signaling and talking to each other. You know, obviously you can hear what they were saying, but I'm wondering if the ref has misheard him or just not heard him at all. Yeah, you know, obviously. Um, I I, I found the attendance for you by the way. It was sixty one thousand nine hundred and seventeen. Ah, you're I feel the man. So, so it wasn't I just felt, an empty I, stadium. Then. No, but I feel sorry for each and every one of them having to watch this game. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that that was a really weird one. Uh, I I don't understand why the ref why the ref was even communicating with him or trying to communicate with him if he didn't know what he was saying. But he had his hand as the ball was about to be snapped. McLaurin, tur- you know, turns his head to look in the direction of where the ball is and to his quarterback and the centre where it's going to be snapped from, the ref then puts his hand on his flag ready to go. Now, my understanding is, is when you're at the line of scrimmage, you need seven players at the line of scrimmage, basically, and you need um, four players in the backfield, right? So uh, that that's why if you've got, like I say, uh, a classic kind of, you know, three tight ends and two running backs, one of your tight ends has, has to be back and not lined up right on the line of scrimmage kind of thing. So... Yeah, so they either had eight lined up with the ball or they had six, which uh, both are illegal shifts, basically. And I, I, don't, I don't know why this happened, but it cost them. I, I feel like it probably cost them the game because they, had, they didn't have the moment. They had momentum then. You know, they're, they're third and goal. It was the one-yard line, wasn't it? It was, it was one- right on the one-yard line. Yeah. I mean, they could have scored from a quarterback sneak from that position. Yes, and uh, yeah, I, th- I think that... that Almost it certainly cost the commanders the chance to of, of the game anyway because yeah of course they were down they, by eight so yeah yeah and I think they missed an extra point as well uh, yep if I remember rightly yeah they missed an extra point in the third quarter after after Dawson's uh, touchdown but I tell you what Kalen Thibodeau what a game what a game that boy had because not only did he return uh, re- return it for a touchdown but he got a sack he got nine tackles in the game uh, just player of the game outstanding D- 
Daniel Jones was garbage again. Um, <laughs> just, <laughs> that's just to even it off. We're just like yeah, yeah, just just even it off. But I, I don't know how he is going to be the quarterback there next year. I, I don't see it. I, I think it would be a mistake for the Giants to have him at quarterback. If he if he is, he's got to be in a backup role. Saquon Barkley was brilliant. 18 catches for 87 yards. He also had five receptions for 33 yards. He did rush in for that one touchdown of the Giants as well. So between a defensive touchdown, Saquon Barkley's rushing touchdown, and then two Graham Gano field goals, it was enough to be a, a commander side that were generally actually quite poor. Um, I, I think they, they managed to run a few times. Taylor Heineke was okay. That drive that you're talking about uh, was definitely his kind of highlight drive. When he did make the throws, they were big throws in general. You know, he, he was averaging something along the lines of 15 yards per throw. Uh, so that was quite impressive. And obviously, Dotson, four receptions for 105 yards and that touchdown that he got. So, I mean, Giants are now 8-5-1. and one, And I think that's pro- that's quite possibly secured their place in the playoffs. I'm I'm putting out. I don't see them losing all their games for the remainder of the season. And oh, you just you just know that the there's Buccane- going to be a there's going just, to be a roller coaster. You just yeah. know that the Buccaneers are going to win their division with a losing record and face the Giants in the first round. And beat them. <laughs> yeah, I, I can Absolutely. see it happening. So let's. I move mean, the, on. Oh, sorry. Just, just just very briefly, the Giants have to come up against the Colts. So I can't wait to see what absolute <laughs> garbage is going to happen in that game as well. Something's so got to give. Something's got to give. Absolutely. So we're going to move on, and we come to Allegiant Stadium in the Sunday night game where the Las Vegas Raiders welcome the New England Patriots in front of sixty-two thousand two hundred seventy-three fans. This was an entertaining game by any measure. Tied up at twenty-four. <laughs> Tied up for 24 32 seconds to go. And then the worst, the worst decision I think I've ever seen by a player who made a decision for no apparent reason when uh, Ramondre Stevenson takes the mm-hmm. ball, rushes the ball, and picks up 23 yards. So he's, he's now. Time, this is with three seconds to go. Time has yeah. expired with this point, okay? It's tied at 24. He rushes forward, picks up 23 yards, so he's now into Raiders' territory, then decides to lateral to Jacoby Myers. Now, Jacoby Myers, at this point, is surrounded by Raiders' players. Keep in mind, it's tied at 24 with no time left. Instead of like, oh, well, do you know what we tried... Because there's no, he's not lateraling to anyone. That's not yes. happening. So what he does is throw the ball about 25 yards backwards. To, in the direction of Mac in Jones. In the direction of Mac Jones. And somehow he doesn't see Chandler Jones standing there at the 48th yard line of the Patriots, who just takes the pass, a great catch, but Chandler Jones, Just, yeah. Chandler Jones is 6'5 and 270 pounds or something. How Myers yeah. never saw him is beyond me. He picks it up and then he just absolutely stiff arms poor Mac Jones. I don't know what Mac Jones thought was going to happen at that point. He just goes face first into the turf. Chandler Jones takes it 48 yards for a walk-off touchdown. Dave, this was ridiculous. Should never have happened, but it did happen. What was your take on this? I burst out laughing. 
That's exactly what I did. I burst out laughing because as soon as Chandler Jones stiff-armed Mac Jones, I had that kind of internet little kind of five, six-second song in my head of, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, no. (laughs) That's exactly what was going through (laughs) Mac Jones's head. I I mean, because it's the Patriots, I I, I was actually, I was cheering for the Raiders in this one, and I, I cannot believe that they, they they almost blew a massive lead again. Did the Raiders? Yes, they were. So I forgot to mention that they were. Yeah, up they were seven. I think it was seventeen three. Uh, they were up at half time, and yet they, they didn't score in the third quarter. It was then seventeen uh, thirteen going into the fourth quarter before that field goal from Nick Falk. Then the Patriots scored again, but then with about th- I think it was thirty seconds. Uh, uh, yeah. That, yeah, about 30 seconds to go, uh, they then got, well, it was uh, one of three touchdown passes for Derek Carr, uh, and that one was to Keelan Cole. So, Which yeah. should also point out... Oh, uh, yes, I was just about to bring that up. Yeah, uh, you, uh, so, sorry, sorry, Dave, sorry. No, no, on, on you go. You, you carry on, sorry. So there was a very questionable decision in this game uh, about whether... Some uh, it was it was his touching, wasn't it? About yes, the, the about the last yes. One, yeah. w- now, this what the only thing I can say is that when you when a when a play is reviewed, there has to be irrefutable evidence to overturn the Colin Field. Yeah. Now I thought when I saw the replay, I thought, yeah, he's out. He's yes. he's just touched. He's just do, touched the line. Do, do you know why you thought that? Why is that? Because his foot was out of bounds. <laughs> That, that's why you thought his foot was it, because it was. What? I mean, it, it, his foot's on the white line. Now, someone's saying, oh, well, you can't really see from this angle. I can see it. I, mm. His foot's on the white line. That's, that means he's out of bounds. Mm-hmm. And as his foot lifts up, the white turf jumps up because he's kicked it. So, sorry, Dave, carry on. I'm just saying. I mean, it, it was it was a really weird game, but I... I don't know if you can say it's a good or bad advert for the NFL. More a bad advert for the officiating yeah. and a bad advert for Jacoby Myers. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder what Bill Belichick said to him after that game. Because I, we all Do you know, think he said... I think it would be worse if he didn't see anything. Just, just ignored him the, the whole yeah. flight home. That's tough. That's tough. Because we know Bill Belichick is... Um, a stickler for the little things. Right? How many games have the Patriots won because other teams didn't do the basics? The absolute basics. You know, what is it? Uh, do your job, Bill Belichick says. Do your job. Just yeah. do your job. That's it. I don't think any part of Jacoby Myers' job description is to attempt a 25-yard pass back to his quarterback. You're not losing the game. It's tied. It's going into overtime. You can just yeah, you exactly. Can yeah, sit down, take an E, and and go on and win the game. Mm-hmm. I'm just oh, oh yeah. I wonder what he said to him. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> Derek Carr played really well in this game. He, he mm-hmm. played really well. But we're going to move on, Dave. We are going to move on because I do understand it's your birthday. We're pressed for time here. So we come to the Monday night game, and I'm sorry, Dave, it's the last game. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, yeah, thanks, thanks for you know our last game to be this one. Yeah, oh. the Green Bay Packers welcomed the Los Angeles Rams to Lambeau Field, and seventy-seven thousand two hundred sixty-nine fans turned up, and basically just watched 
the Rams not do very much at all. <laughs> uh, the Packers were fine in this game. They were fine. They, they weren't great. Uh, final score, 24-12 to 12 to the Packers. It was never really close, uh, David. No. I'm sorry to say that. Um, but what, what did you think? It's your team. Tell me what you think. I mean, you, we Baker was up against it from the start, and he, he was twelve of twenty-one for one hundred eleven yards. It was it was a game of ones for Baker because twelve of twenty-one, a couple of ones in there, yards one hundred eleven, touchdowns one, interceptions one, and he also got the Rams' first passing touchdown to a tight end this year. Tyler Higby's first touchdown of the year, which I know is quite a painful one for many fantasy league uh, players. Uh, because Tyler Higby was one of the highest, yeah, what was that, the highest rated tight ends this year um, at the beginning of the season. But yeah, yeah, it, Higby four, he, Higby was the main target. Four receptions for twenty-seven yards and and his touchdown. Um, t- Taylor Rapp did get an inception for a second game in the row, which w- w- that was good. Um, but apart from that, the Rams defense was kind of questionable. Jalen Ramsey. Uh, played okay. There were some really good. He made some really good uh, coverages against Christian Watson. Some maybe a bit questionable, but uh, Leonard Floyd managed to pressure um, and get to uh, Aaron Rodgers quite a couple. Uh, he got he got two sacks, but he pressured him quite a lot as well. So he had a good game. That was pretty much it. Um, get Greg Gaines did well as well. Uh, Bobby Wagner was when he was coming on a blitz, which was maybe once every four or five plays. They, they tended to double up on him. So they, they could see it coming. I think they made that game plan for the offensive line for the Packers. But uh, Aaron Rodgers was pretty good. He, he looked really good in that pocket. 22 or 30, 229 yards. Touchdown, he, uh, like I said, with Raps interception as well, which was a, that was a weird one in itself. He just It was just completely broken. Um, but Aaron Jones was fantastic. 17 carries for 90 yards. We, we couldn't really stop the run. Uh, AJ Dillon went down injured, but before that, he had two touchdowns. Of course he did. Uh, Dubes, uh, Romeo Dubes, he, I, I love that name. That's another, another one. great name. Romeo Dubes. Uh, Dubes, yeah, he was, he was brilliant. He, there was two plays where just no one picked him up. I think he was just back from injury as well. Five receptions, 55 yards. Um, yeah, it was a poor, poor game. I think, it, again, it's another one that flatters the Rams. And sadly, I've not said that. Um, I've nearly, well, I've nearly said that every single week, uh, which is really sad. But the, the fourth quarter was a complete blowout for both teams. Packers got it done in the third quarter. I think we were lucky to be only four points down um, at halftime. Uh, Matt Gay also missed a field goal, which was a bit weird uh, because he is Mr. Reliable. It just went wide right. And or wide right, wide left, depending on how you're looking at it. But uh, the snow, I think it was something like minus eight, minus nine at the start of the game, and it, it warmed up a bit, so it went to minus seven by the end of the game. I I I, I understand there was a lot of concerns from the players uh, that it wasn't safe for them to be playing in this. I can completely understand that. The problem is they were all from the Rams' side, not from the Packers' side. So that, I think you know home field advantage is called that for a reason. I'm disappointed. We're we're going to end the season on a bit of a low point. I think Baker's ba- Baker's comeback against the Raiders was brilliant. I'm I'm happy that we got that done, but the Rams are four and ten. A really disappointing season. It is, um, and we'll get to see the Rams take on the Broncos on Christmas <laughs> Day. 
So that wraps up our week 15 recap, Dave. Now, coming up, we're going to have our rapid-fire week 16 predictions. Mm. And let's not forget, we've got random stats as well. So we'll catch you just after this. Welcome back to the Outer Hebrides. It's the NFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon, here with Dave Somerville. And we're going to be doing a Week 16 Rapid Fire Preview. Starting, of course, with the Thursday night game between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the New York Jets. I've got the Jaguars going in and winning this one, Dave. And I reckon that Trevor Lawrence is going to go off against this Jets defense. I think Sauce Gardner is going to get found out. And the Jaguars have got a big win here, 31 to 13. Wow, that's that's a pretty bold prediction. Um, do, you, do you know the betting line is actually that the Jets are the favourites for this one, which I think is wrong. And I, I, I also think the Jaguars are going to win this. I think it's going to be 30 points to 24, though. A bit of a closer one, but the Jaguars get it done. We then come to the afternoon games on the Saturday. We do. It's great to have Saturday football back. The first uh-huh. one's the Buffalo Bills at the Chicago Bears. They're traveling to Soldier Field to take on Justin Fields. And I've got the Bills winning <laughs> fairly hand... <laughs> what? <laughs> Just, that's so bad. <laughs> I've got the Buffalo Bills winning this one fairly handily with a 27-10 to 10 victory. You know what? I'm going to call it now. I think this is going to be the weekend of upsets because I'm going with a Bears win in this one, oh. right? And I'm I'm going to say that it's going to be 26 points to 24 for the Bears with Justin Fields rushing in for two touchdowns. Wow. Uh, we then have the Atlanta Falcons at the Baltimore Ravens. I found this one so difficult to pick, Dave, but I'm taking the Ravens at home, a low-scoring affair, 17 to 16. I also think it's going to be a low-scoring game, but I think it's going to go the other way. And I think the Falcons are going to nip it because even if Lamar Jackson is back, then he's not going to be 100%. So I'm going for a 19 points to 13 win for the Falcons. Wow. We then have the Seattle Seahawks traveling to Arrowhead to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. And I've got Mahomes doing his thing, taking care of business. Geno's been regressing. I've got the Chiefs winning this one. Not as high-scoring as some people would think. I've got a 21 to 17. Well, the new Pro Bowl man, Geno Smith, I think is going to take this game to overtime uh, against Pat Mahomes, um, a potential MVP, and I think he's going to lose. So I, th- I think the Chiefs will get it done in overtime. I think it's going to be 30 points to 24. 24-24 after regulation. We then have the New York Giants at the Minnesota Vikings, and I've got the Vikings taking this one at home. I think no, uh, the Giants don't have any chance of stopping Justin Jefferson, etc. And I've got the Vikings winning this one by a score of 34-20. to 20. Yeah, we're very similar there because I've got the Vikings scoring by 30 points to 20 and I think they're just going to be too much. We then have the New Orleans Saints going into Cleveland to take on the Browns and I think the Saints pull this one off. I've got a low-scoring affair. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> God, this one is a low-scoring affair with the Saints winning 16-13. to 13. We've also got a low-scoring affair but I think the Browns are going to edge it, very sadly. Uh, I think it's going to be 19 points to 16 and the Browns are just going to get that extra field goal with Cade York. Then have the Cincinnati Bengals travelling to Foxborough to take on the Patriots and I've got the Bengals winning this one after overtime by a score of 20 to 14. I was so close to predicting overtime in this one as well but I'm going to say that the Bengals just scrape it in regular time. I think it's going to be 27 points to 24. We then have the Houston Texans travelling to Tennessee to take on the Titans. And I've got the Titans winning this one. Again, a low-scoring affair. I've got this one by a score of 17-10. to 10. I've also got a low-scoring affair. I think the Texans. 
I think the Texans oh, might get their I second like win of the I year. I like it. And I'm going for 16 points to 13 win. We then have the Detroit Lions travelling to Carolina to take on the Panthers. Battle of the Big Cats there. And I've got the Lions offence rolling again, taking down the Panthers by a score of 28 to 19. Well, I've also got the Lions getting 28, but I've got the Panthers having 24. And I think it's going to be a lot closer than we usually think. I think the Panthers will turn up at home, but the Lions are just the Lions. So let's go Lions. Then got the Washington Commanders in the afternoon game against San Francisco 49ers in San Francisco. I've got the 49ers winning again. Brock Purdy getting his third straight win in his third start. And I've got the 49ers winning this one fairly handily by a score of 24-16. I've got this going to overtime. And I think it I think the commanders get it done in overtime. I've got the score being twenty points to twenty going into overtime. And I think the commanders get a walk off touchdown after a pick by uh, from Brock Purdy. Oh, wow. Disrespect on the Mr. Irrelevant there. <laughs> uh, we then have the Philadelphia Eagles travelling to Dallas, Jerry World, to take on the Cowboys. And this was actually picked as an upset of the week where mm-hmm. Jake confidently confidently predicted a 6 nothing win for the Eagles. I think it'll be a higher score than that. Really? Um, rumours <laughs> okay. are that, yeah, I'm, I'm going right out on a limb here. Rumours are yeah. that Gardner Minshew might be starting this game, given Jalen Hurts' condition, but I'm right on board Minshew Mania train and I've got the Eagles winning this one easily by a score of 31-16. to 16. I'm so low on the Gardner Minshew train. Uh, I have no faith in him whatsoever, but I, I think the Eagles will get this done. It's it's going to be 28 points to 25. We then got the Las Vegas Raiders travelling to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. This is another one I've got going into overtime, but I think the Raiders' luck will finally run out against Pittsburgh, and I've got the Steelers winning this one by a score of 16 to 13 after overtime. Got the Raiders getting this one, just getting the job done uh, competently, and I think it's going to be 27 points to 20. We then have the Green Bay Packers traveling to Miami to take on the Dolphins, and believe it or not, I'm picking Tua to outgun Aaron Rodgers in this one. Mm. I think the Dolphins will win by in a high scoring but close affair. I've got a 35 34. Wow. Well, I, I I also agree. I think the Dolphins are getting this, but I don't think it's going to be as high scoring as that. I think the Packers will actually be able to hold off uh, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Um, I, I've gone for 24 points to 20 and yeah, the Dolphins basically to sneak it. We then have the game of the week, which is the Denver Broncos. <laughs> you can't even say that straight face. I, I tried. I can't. I can't. Absolutely not. The Denver Broncos at the Los Angeles Rams. And I don't know, um, 4-2 to the Broncos with three safeties being scored in the game. <laughs> Do you know what? Out of pure loyalty, I'm going to go for the Rams. I'm with no confidence whatsoever. I, I think it's going to be a really low-scoring game. So I'm going for a 16 points to 12 win for the Rams. That sounds about right. Four field yeah. goals, yeah. Uh, we then have the Sunday night game. Tampa Bay Buccaneers travelled to Arizona to take on the Cardinals. Uh, the Cardinals are down to their third string quarterback. Buccaneers should have no problems with this one. Luck on this, Tom Brady. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I've got the Buccaneers winning this one by a score of 24-6. to Oh, I've got a very low-scoring affair, I'm afraid. And I think it's going to be a bad game for uh, to end off the weekend. But I think that the Cardinals will nearly get there, but just fall short. So I'm going for a 13 points to 10 win. 
For the box. Sorry. For the box. Yeah, I got you. Uh, and then finally, in the Monday night game, we have the Los Angeles Chargers at the Indianapolis Colts. I believe Nick Foles is going to be starting mm-hmm. for the Colts, so this is very difficult to predict. Um, I'm taking the Chargers to win this one. Uh, I, I don't know what's going on with the Colts. I have no idea which version of the Colts will turn up. So I'm taking the Chargers, and I've got them winning this one in a fairly low-scoring affair. I've got it 19-10. to 10. We've got the outcome the same, but I think I actually think it's going to be a bit of a, a gunslinger contest. I think it's going to be 30 points to 27 for the Chargers. Fantastic. And that wraps up our Week 16 Rapid Fire Preview. Dave, there are only two weeks left. Oh, wow. Can you believe it? No, I don't know where the season's gone. I know, it's unbelievable. It's absolutely unreal. So there's just two weeks left after this. Um, of course, what we're going to be doing, uh, we're, we're going to have our, uh, our Christmas special episode next mm. week, Dave. That should be fun. We'll yeah. have our Christmas special. Um, we're going to be giving our own awards for uh, our picks for MVP, Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year, etc. We're going to have our awards. Uh, we've also got a few other things. And Dave, I believe we've got, a, we've got a giveaway coming up at the end of the year as well. Is that correct? We do indeed. Well, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be giving away a Von Miller Broncos top, kindly donated by Peter and Sarah at the Empty House Traders uh, they they are in, based in Stornoway. They have amazing uh, American memorabilia in there. Now I, I was in there. I spent a chunk of money because it was basically <laughs> ADHD heaven in there. And uh, they have so many things. It's such a wonderful shop as well. So if you're if for our, all our listeners in Stornoway, any uh, visitors that come to Stornoway please go and see him. Peter, it was absolutely amazing. I managed to purchase myself a Rams top in there. I've got a Vikings top for my for my daughter's birthday. Um, birthday for Christmas coming up, I should say. Oh. Um, but also, uh, they, they've just got so many things. You will be in there for hours and the, the, the customer service in there, absolutely second to none. So, Massive shout out to Peter in there, and they have kindly donated that to us. So, we are going to have a giveaway coming up very soon. But, yeah. Big shout out to them. Yeah, so that's a, a Von Miller Broncos top uh, that we're going to be giving away. Uh, we'll give it away at the end of the regular season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, if you want to be in with a chance for that, all you need to do is uh, make sure to uh, follow us on Twitter and keep an eye out and we'll be announcing how you can enter to win a Broncos Von Miller top. I think I might go into mm. that myself, Dave. I don't yeah. think I want to give that away. <laughs> well, I did. I did say, you know, we 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 kind of had that discussion, but I think you've got you've got enough Broncos memorabilia. Ah, yeah, I suppose I do. Um, and the other thing is, I, I have to ask you, Dave. Your daughter's a Vikings fan. She likes purple. I oh, think that's right. about it when okay. it comes to Vikings. Plus, she she likes it when when they get a first down and they've got the big kind of Viking horn. She quite likes that as well. But, oh, that is pretty. Cool, um, I, I had I had to sort of go for the Vikings because she also started liking the the Buccaneers cannon. So we had I had to put a stop to that quite quickly. Yes, absolutely. You need to make sure you <laughs> knock that out <laughs> <Yeah>. immediately. <laughs> yes. yes. Well, I've no more Buccaneers fans. Thank you very much. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Uh, so there we go, Dave. Um, I think we've got time for another segment. What do you reckon? Oh, do you know what? I think we do. I think we definitely do. Um, and it is, of course, random stats. Yeah, yeah. So random stats, Dave. Um, I don't remember. Do you want me to go first this week, or do you want to go first this week? Yeah, you crack on the first I, I this will. week. I will. So the last couple of weeks, I've been talking about 
um, active players and uh, where they stand in all-time records. We had one with the you uh-huh. know interceptions, etc., etc. This time we're talking about a stat uh, regarding wide receivers. And a gentleman that I want to talk about, whose name is Devery Henderson. Now, Devery Henderson, for those who don't know, played for the New Orleans Saints from 2004 to 2012. Um, now, his stats, his actual, you know, yardage and touchdown stats, mm-hmm. don't, they're not that impressive. The most yards he ever had in a season was 804. The most touchdowns he ever had in a season was five. The most receptions he ever had in a season was 51. So nothing jumps off the board at you and you think, you know, what's going on? However, twice in his career, Devery Henderson led the league in yards per reception. In 2006, he recorded 23.3 yards per reception. And in 2008, he recorded 24.8 yards per reception. Okay. Uh-huh. So, again, a, a, a man who, you know, not exactly jumping off the board, is, he is a Super Bowl winner with the Saints, never made a Pro Bowl. As I said, only 800 yards is the highest that he got in one season. Yet those numbers, 23.3 and 24.8, give him the highest yards per reception in a season for any active player. Now, when I say those numbers from 2008 and then again in 2006 are the highest by any active player, I mean the two of them. He has the two highest of any active player in the NFL. His 2008 number of 24.8 ranks him 18th all time. And his 2006 ranks him 48th all time. Now, amongst amongst any other, the highest, uh, sorry, I'm saying active players. I beg your pardon. He's he's no longer playing. But mm. there's no active players with one higher. The, the highest of all active players is Deshaun Jackson. No surprise there that Deshaun Jackson no, is the highest. Mr. Yeah, with, Mr. Deep Threat. Uh, Mr. Deep Threat himself. And, and he, in 2010, he posted 22.5 yards Per reception to find the next active player on the list, you need to go to 149, which is um, MVS in 2020 with Green wow. Bay with 20.9, and then the next one is Deshaun Jackson again. So I was <sighs> looking at some of the other. I know I was looking at some of the other players because I was thinking, who is this Devery Henderson? So the guys above him, the number one all time, by the way, the number one all time was a man called Don Curvin. In 1947, when he played with the Boston Yanks. Ooh. Yeah, and he recorded 32.6 yards per reception. All the other players there, 1940s, 1945, 58, 64, uh, 1969, 45, all these players are from there. And the only one that you, we would consider sort of the modern era in the top 10 Willie Flipper Anderson for the Los Angeles Rams in 1989 was 26 yards per reception. That was the year, 1989, where he had his 336-yard receiving game. I Mm -hmm. believe that was against the Saints as well. Uh, Willie Anderson was an amazing player. He's just 
one of the best of all time. But there's Hall of Famers in this list too. There's guys like Paul Warfield, uh, Don Hudson, he's there, Cliff Branch. And then I got to thinking, well, who's the greatest receiver of all time, Dave? Uh, Jay Rice. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know why it took you so long to come up with that. <laughs> yeah, I it's mean, like, just, well, I mean, was that a trick question? But I was just like, hey, Jay Rice. Jerry Rice is the greatest receiver of all time. I don't think uh-huh. anybody would argue. Well, anyone would just argue was just wrong, okay? Anyone <laughs> argues. Because the, the question should be, who's the greatest wide receiver of all time other than Jerry Rice? Because that's what we should be looking at. You know, you're thinking, uh, oh my goodness. A lot of candidates, yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, Jerry Rice's highest, the mo- his highest yards per reception in his entire career was 20.4 in 1988. That ranks him 187th all time. <laughs> so I'm just saying, yeah, just saying, yards per reception is one of those stats because people look at it and say, you know, you get 20 yards per reception. Yeah, it's pretty good, huh? pretty good. But in the long run, it doesn't seem to mean an awful lot. And that's why it's a random stat. And that's why it's my random stat. I really like that one. Plus, it, it highlights a player that went up, probably went under the radar, uh, in fairness, you know, uh, throughout his career. Um, because, you know, he, he, was, he was in the games for the Saints a lot. Yes. Yeah, he played a lot he, of games for the Saints. And a lot of deep threats as well. So, yeah, big up. Yeah, Devery Henderson. Absolutely. Well, my turn now, and I've got. Uh, we, we we discussed yesterday uh, that uh, there may, we mentioned um, this man before in random stats, but not one about him, and that would be Jay Cutler. So you know a lot about Jay Cutler, certainly you know, do. So, uh, yes, and of course he was drafted by the Broncos uh, in two thousand six. He mm-hmm. was a first round pick at Vanderbilt. He was the eleventh pick of the draft, and. Do you know what? I thought he had a good few three seasons He was that he was with the Broncos, eventually making his debut and uh, playing five games in his first year, mm-hmm. and then he was, he was the starter for the next two years. Now, there was a lot of, co- there was a lot of controversy uh, surrounding uh, his, uh, shall we say, uh, not quite um, on, f- on friendly terms departure from the Broncos, mm. because it was when Josh McDaniels came in as head coach when yes. Shanahan left and McDaniels came in. Now, uh, what happened with that was that there was a lot of rumours as soon as Josh McDaniels was hired about trades involving the Lions, the Buccaneers, uh, and who McDaniels came from, which was the Patriots. That's right. Um, so there was a lot of uh, trade rumours. But in the end, Cutler was traded to the Chicago Bears. Uh, so they brought, uh, they, tra- they traded Cutler along with one of their uh, fifth round selections for 2009, and what they re- uh, got in return was Cal Orton, the Bears quarterback. Are you just trying to the- hurt me with this random stat? Because this was <laughs> a painful trade it's, for me. It's, it, it's, I mean, to this day, because the Broncos didn't really capitalize with who they picked, but we'll, we'll carry on anyway. Yes. Um, so they, they received Cal Orton, the Bears' first round pick, the third round pick. And also their 2010 first round pick. And uh, the Broncos then had Orton as a starter with Chris Sims uh, being relegated uh, from that, with, uh, ending speculation about a quarterback battle. However, Jay Cutler was on the end of what I can only describe as the most 
loved and hated feelings from the Chicago Bears fans, in, especially in those first two years. Because he was in, in his first game, he threw for four interceptions mm. for the Bears. Now, that, that, if there's one way to kick off your career that, with a new team, that is not how to do it. The, Bear, the Bears were also 7-9 and nine in his first season. But then, obviously, he came. His next season, they were ten and five, and they had a really good season. I think they actually reached the NFC Championship game and lost to the Packers. I want to say, yes, that that's the infamous um, exercise bike game. Yes. yes, that's the one. Now, that th- those two seasons are what I want to focus on because Jay Cutler only missed one game in twenty ten. He didn't miss a game in twenty uh, two thousand nine, but in twenty ten, he missed one game. Now. Out of those 31 games, the stat I want to highlight is that Jay Cutler was sacked 87 times. That's 87 times, averaging three sacks per game. And uh, the, the game that he actually got, um, he, that I actually missed, was a concussion, funnily enough. You know, obviously that was... Um, not unexpected. But what happened was that in the first half of that game, he was sacked six times by the New York Giants. And uh, it, he, when he came back, he was off. He was only out for the rest of that game in one week. But he then came back and threw numerous intercepts, interceptions against Seahawks. I believe it was four. Followed by the week after that, uh, for the re- for the Washington Red acted. He then lost, and I think he also uh, had another six sacks in that game. Or something along those lines. Now, Jay Cutler is the Bears. All, he's, he's got multiple, multiple career highlights to Jay Cutler. He's, he's got a, a touchdown-to-interception ratio. 227 touchdowns, 160 interceptions. So that, that's still quite a lot. Mm. But he's, is, if I'm not mistaken, is he not the Bears' all-time quarterback for passing yards yes the, he is the leader he's the leading he passer in the history of the chicago bears with yeah with thirty-five thousand one hundred thirty-three yards but bears fans were polar opposites on whether to blame cutler for the for their lack of success and not getting to the super bowl in 2010 i'm making the, the case that if you're getting sacked over the course of two seasons 87 times what hope do you have of, yeah, if you can't protect your quarterback, that's ridiculous. And it, 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 it actually didn't end there. Because um, in 20, 2009, his first season, he actually had the highest amount of interceptions in the league with 26. I, I, he had 27 touchdowns as well. But 2010, he had 52 sacks alone in that year. That is a ridiculous amount of sacks. And over the course of his career, from 2006 with the Broncos to when he finished with Miami in 2017, he was sacked 322 times. That is astronomical to be able to endure that over 11 years. It's just, I, I, I feel bad for Jay Cutler. I think his career could have gone a lot worse, but a lot better at the same time. Um, so I want to give a shout out to Jay Cutler because I think he was, uh, at the Bears, even though he, he is the all-time lean passer, I, I think he got a hard time by the Bears fans. He also took them to the NFC Championship game, uh, and he, you know, in, in the, over those two seasons, he was seventeen and fourteen uh, with the record, um, and 
you know, he also threw for 50 touchdowns in that time. So 87 sacks, 50 touchdowns in that period. Big up Jay Cutler. And that is my random stat. I like that. I always liked Jay Cutler. I did. I, I Yeah, I, I, I do think that the Broncos lost that trade quite quite badly uh even you know even though they got two first rounders but at the same time i, I think um they could have got they, they they could have done better with their picks especially yeah josh mcdaniels just t- literally tore that team apart from the inside yeah i think the legacy of shanahan was kind of uh, well I, I don't think there was much legacy after he left to be honest because of things that josh mcdaniels did and the backroom stuff Oh, yeah. So, I mean, Shanahan got fired after they lost. Uh, the Broncos had a three-game advantage. I think it was over the Chargers with three games to go, and they ended up losing the division and being knocked mm-hmm. out of the playoffs. And it was an awful collapse. Awful. And you're thinking, oh, my word. Uh, and then Josh McDaniels came in. But before he came in, and I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but um, Mike Shanahan, in an interview, had said, I don't know who the next guy up is going to be. He says, but he would be crazy to change this offense. Because mm-hmm. Jay Cutler was coming into his own, a big Brandon Marshall uh, as a wide receiver, mm-hmm. and uh, they were just Eddie Royal, two you know good receivers, decent offensive line, good defense, but the offense was stacked. And Josh McDaniels came in and just tore it to shreds, and the offense was hopeless. Now some people will say, "Oh well, the offense actually scored more points," you know, and Kyle Orton was it because they were behind by forty in every single game, and he threw garbage time. Yards and touchdowns, oh. and it was utter garbage time. Um, it was. Just, I'm still. I'm still sore about the Jay Cutler trade. I am. I hate Josh McDaniels for that. So then, as soon as as soon as McDaniels came in, though, the trade rumor started. As soon as he he was announced as a head coach, wait, he, he wanted to get Tom Brady over. He wanted Tom Brady. He couldn't get Tom Brady, so he yeah. went for Kyle Orton. <laughs> what Kyle Orton? <laughs> Kyle, if you're listening, no offense, but <laughs> Kyle Orton. <laughs> so, yeah. Good lord. It, yeah, it was it was terrible. It was a terrible time to be a Broncos fan. That was really that was rough. And then of course McDaniels comes in and we go six and zero to start the season and then completely collapse to finish eight and eight. Six and zero and finished eight and eight. That's just it, it's yeah. oh it was terrible dave terrible mm-hmm. anyway i'm not gonna rant about the broncos no no we're gonna avoid that no. yeah <laughs> so uh jake we're gonna pass it over to you what is your random stat my random stat is a shot at both my co-hosts i'm aiming to upset them both here um because i stumbled across this and i thought it was it was too perfect not to uh not to talk about so with their 10th loss the Super Bowl champion Rams are eliminated from a playoff contention with three weeks to go. That ties the 1999 Broncos for the most losses and most weeks remaining in a season at time of elimination by any defending Super Bowl champion in NFL history. That's a sore one. That's sore for the Broncos. It's sore for the Rams. And, you know, in a season where it sucks to be a Saints fan, it was nice <laughs> to be like, at least I'm not alone. It's I'm not alone. It sucks to be a Broncos <laughs> fan and a Rams fan. Oh my <laughs> word! The best, the best out of all of us who's doing anything is is either you and McPhail 
do and with his lions who are doing quite well and of course tim his cowboy soon to be they managed to brand new lions well. yeah the, oh the brand new lions wow it's it's hard not to root for them but yes i mean the saints are, are technically alive i think we've got a, a three percent chance um and we would need miracles it's it's not going to happen, you know. It's are, just not going to happen. Jalen Hurts probably going to sit this week and then come back with a vengeance next week. Guess who he plays the week after? The Saints. <laughs> the Eagles are definitely going to want to beat the Saints because we've got their draft pick. So everyone, I saw some people on the internet saying, "Oh, the Eagles might rest their starters against the Saints." It's like, well, they've got a game after us, so they would be resting for two, three weeks if they've got the number one pick. And why would? They want the Saints to win. They want us to do as bad as possible to get them a top five draft pick. So, yeah, nonsense. It is nonsense. It is nonsense. So, thanks very much for that one, Jake. That was a good stat, but uh, even though I hated it, and I'm sure Dave hates it as well. Apologies, boys. Apologies. So, there you go. Yeah, we are. That was random stats. I thoroughly enjoyed that, Dave. There we go. Thank you very much. Um, So, uh, obviously, it's going to be Christmas. It's Christmas coming up. So we want to wish all our listeners a very happy Christmas. We're not taking any time off. You think we're on holiday? We're not on holiday. We're gonna. We've got our next uh, our next episode coming up next Wednesday. The twenty is that the twenty eighth? Is that right? Wednesday twenty eighth will be. I be, I barely know what day it is today, let alone <laughs> next next week. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes twenty eighth. Yes, twenty eighth. Um, so we'll have our next uh, one there. And um, once again, a huge thank you to everyone. Thanks to you, Dave. It's always a pleasure no having problem. you here. Always a pleasure to be here. And a big thank you to the um, open house, empty house traders, and Lewis Revival. Yes, and Lewis Revival. I forgot to say Lewis Revival is also joined on to it. It's two shops in one. Two, two you will be in there for uh, you'll be in there for hours, I guarantee it. And like I said again, big shout out to Peter, Peter and Sarah who run it. Yes. Uh thank you very much. Thank you to everyone for listening. You can catch us on Twitter at the WinFL Show. You can also catch myself and Dave on Twitter as well. And uh, there we go. We'll catch you. Hope you all have a lovely Christmas. Eat far too much. Don't drink too much though. Uh, and we will see you on next week's episode of the WinFL Show. Merry Christmas. <laughs>